Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. If you're Cassidy Hutchinson, do you get to work in politics again? You know, that's a good question, and I think something that they're they're all thinking about. I'm Annie Reese. This is Politico Dispatch. Hi, I'm Meredith McGraw. I'm a national political correspondent for Politico. As we've watched these bombshell hearings take place, behind the scenes, there's been a group of former aides that have taken on Trump, they understand the risks, and they've served as a kind of support system for one another. On the show today, Meredith McGraw and how a small group of women went from working in the background of the White House to becoming household names. So this... Small Lonely Girls Club, as one of the women happened to describe it, is comprised of these former Trump aides who really became disillusioned with his presidency. And that includes Alyssa Farrah Griffin. She was once the communications director under Trump. She resigned in December 2020 and has been very critical of Trump ever since. Olivia Troy, she served as a Homeland Security Advisor to Vice President Mike Pence. And she also advised him on the COVID-19 task force, and she broke with the administration in the summer of 2020 over issues she had with how the coronavirus pandemic was being held. And then there's also Cassie Hutchinson, who worked under Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, and she traveled everywhere with him and was really a a right-hand man to him. And she stayed on with the administration until the very end, um, but has since, of course, with all this testimony, broken with the the White House. And then there was Sarah Matthews, and she was a deputy press secretary under Kaylee McEnany. She now works on the Hill, is a Republican on the Hill, and she resigned on January 6th. And Sarah Matthews is reported to testify as well soon. These women have faced a lot of public backlash. They're in this sort of no man's land. The left has said that you guys still worked for Trump. You still enabled him in a lot of ways. And the right, uh, many of whom still support Trump, say that they're traitors. And so they faced all of this public backlash. And behind the scenes, they've been in touch and formed this kind of bond and friendship and really how to just navigate this really unprecedented, unique moment for them personally in their lives. Yeah, I think one thing that was interesting to me watching Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony and then after was that we saw these former aides and officials offering support online, whether that's sort of corroborating her character on Twitter or giving interviews on Jake Tapper. They sort of seem to anticipate this pushback and this political no man's land, as you said, and moved into really kind of close ranks around Hutchinson publicly. Yeah, that's something that they really try to do. They joke that they were sort of this uh, rapid response team, if you will, for Cassidy during her hearing. And they came out with tweets or they did support her on TV. I think they know that it really is a lonely place to be in. Like I said, you're, you're in this no man's land politically. And these are all Republicans, young conservative women who really came to Washington really wide-eyed, like so many young political staffers do. And they've been put in this really tough position in a lot of ways. They've been lauded for their bravery and courage for coming out and speaking up. But at the same time, it's come at a cost, sometimes personal and professional. 
Yeah, another fascinating element of this story to me is how it just really highlights the role of the 20 and 30-something staffer in D.C., which I feel like is really obvious when you live here, but is not as obvious to people who live outside it. And this situation is really laying that reality bare. It's so true. These women had a, a lot of power. You know, if you look at Cassie Hutchinson, she was an aide to Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, and she was kind of derisively referred to as Chief Cassidy while she was in the White House because she was known to sit in on so many meetings and be Mm -hmm. um, such a big presence in the White House. She would take notes for Mark Meadows. Um, She would help connect him with members of Congress on the Hill. And Alyssa Farah Griffin, she was an aide to Mark Meadows. She worked for Vice President Mike Pence, and then she was a communications director at the White House, but she's 33 years old. And so they have really senior roles within the White House. And like you said, that's not unusual for D.C. They're often um, put in these situations where as an assistant or right-hand man to a member of Congress or a principal in the White House, they really do have a lot of access and a lot of power, whether it's scheduling or connections, what they see and learn, or what they're able to influence on the job. I'm curious for Liz Cheney's role in all this. You talked to Stephanie Grisham, I think, who told you that this group of young women was sort of led in a way by Liz Cheney. Yeah, they all said that they were inspired by her in a way. Um, Liz Cheney, she's also been kind of put on this political island, if you will. The Republican Party has ostracized her, as well as Adam Kinzinger. Of course, former President Trump is pushing a primary challenger against her in Wyoming. So she really understands the risks and the costs of Um, speaking out and for her um, following her own conscience with all of this. And so for these women, they said they they really were inspired by her. Just a couple of them, Cassidy and Alyssa, have interacted with her on the committee. I'm guessing that Sarah Matthews as well has. Um, But they see themselves in her in a way. And Liz Cheney talked about these young women explicitly in a speech that she gave to the Reagan Library. And I will tell you that over the last 18 months or so, since January 6th, uh, I have been incredibly moved by the young people that I have met. The Reagan Library has been doing this series where they invite prominent conservatives to talk about the future of the party and how they view conservatism. And she really emphasized that young women in particular through this whole January 6th saga have been the ones she said have have understood the threats and the risks of democracy the most. And I will tell you it is especially the young women. Young women who seem instinctively to understand the peril of this moment for our democracy. And young women who know that it will be up to them to save it. And I have been incredibly moved by young women that I have met and that have come forward to testify in the January 6th committee. So the admiration, it does seem, is a two-way street there. We've talked about the political island that they find themselves on. What have been the repercussions for these women? So some of them shared with me direct messages that they've received on Instagram, on Twitter. They're really nasty stuff. They're calling for violence against them. They're calling them traitors. They're threats. They've been ostracized by members of their their own family. 
Um, they face backlash from colleagues. People who used to sit next to them at a desk have called them traitors. So at just a personal level, I think it's been a really intense experience for them. And their friendship, through their friendship, they've shared tips and advice on how to stay safe, um, how to take certain security precautions, whether it's on social media or at home, or one of them even mentioned that they'll wear baseball caps to go through the airport so that they might not be recognized or or face harassment because they often have in public situations. Hmm. These are young women that are just taking off in their careers. And the Republican Party, though, that they may have joined, you know, before the White House or before they entered the White House looks a lot different in D.C. right now. But I do think Washington can sometimes have a a short memory. You see that with a lot of politicians' careers. So Mm -hmm. some of them might be worried now, but I'm sure they'll figure things out. Meredith McGraw, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you. Also in the news, the Senate on Wednesday voted 66-28 to approve consumer advocate Michael Barr for the Federal Reserve's top regulatory job. He's expected to bring a tougher approach toward megabanks, but also show openness to new financial technology. President Biden's first choice for the role had been Sarah Bloom Raskin, but her nomination flamed out over her previous advocacy to the Fed to play a bigger role on issues related to climate change. The seven-member Fed board is now full for the first time since 2013. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Dispatch's senior editor is Ragumana Valen, and Politico's head of audio is Jenny Ament. I'm Annie Reese. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>